Hey, good afternoon. It's Sabine. Here you have the update of the calendar in addition to the celestial signs for the coming days, February 10th to 14th. And as always, you can find this article linked in the description box below. And within the article, you have the complete overview of the second Exodus series of plagues, which is going to fall upon the earth. We've talked about that in the previous series. If you haven't uh, seen that, you can take a look in the uh, YouTube directory. But today is just a minor update of the calendar. And before we start, I'm going to share this message, which the Lord laid on my heart for you. Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Exodus 14, verse 13. And within the calendar update, you're going to uh, see the calendar itself, but you're also going to have the opportunity to vet what I'm saying uh, by clicking on these hyperlinked words in the text. And you can see the underlying research, but also uh, find links to do further research about the topics I am raising. So I'm going to try to keep this uh, overview as concise as possible. I'm going to enlarge it a bit uh, to make it easier to read. So last time we shared the ending of the 70 years of Babylon, the marker of the first fruits, and uh, you can see that I've added quite a few items to the calendar because the Lord, I believe, has given me further insight and understanding because these bookends of the 70 years of the um, reign of Babylon, we find in the book of Daniel, we have a marker now of first fruits, but there's an additional marker of first fruits the coming weekend, and that is related to the Exodus, the dedication of the firstborn, the sacrificial slaughter unto the Lord that was used as a reasoning to both spiritually prepare the people of Israel, but also to testify uh, to Egypt and against those who oppose the Lord. And that is the dedication of the firstborn and the sacrificial slaughter of the animals unto the Lord, the great feast that was part of the exodus so right after the departure and before they stood uh, in front of the red sea that moment we just touched upon we have another uh, first fruits moment because the first knesset meeting in 1949 after the declaration of independence in 1948 i believe that was the formal planting of the nation so the first constituent assembly of the government on that date and two days later it was renamed Knesset so we now know this governing body within the state of Israel in the nation of Israel I should say uh, as the Knesset still so that being the uh, formal planting day of the uh, of the nation that means we're now 70 plus four years uh, ahead and that is a moment when the husbandmen of the vineyard, where the fig tree was planted as well, is going to inspect spiritual fruit. And that has an application both on an individual level. He's going to inspect the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. But also, he's going to do that on a national level. 
what may catch your attention when you look at this calendar as opposed to the one from a couple of days ago is the numbering that I've done from 1 to 9. So in the scriptures, the sequence from day 14 until 21 is often used for a familiar pattern. We, of course, we recognize the Passover pattern of Passover, uh, the start of unleavened bread, the first fruits, the resurrection, and the first upper room meeting, uh, the second upper room meeting, eight days later. Uh, we have a similar pattern in the days of tabernacles, but that's not just seven days, but the eighth day, Shemini Atzeret, is added. Remember, that's what, that, that is when the woman who was accused of having been caught in the act of adultery was, was brought before the Lord. And at that time, she received uh, reproof, but also His grace and mercy. And the next day, Simcha Torah, the number nine in scripture, is associated with judgment. So that was the uh, day that is associated with judgment. So the pattern from the 15th until the 21, uh, that is uh, often on my mind. And as I was uh, studying together with you the meaning of Tubi Shabbat and the first fruits that he is about, to inspect but also harvest. I was pondering on the possibility that I was going to speed up both the Passover timeline and on the cyclical calendar, Passover, the first month, is a mirror of the seventh month. So this is where I have listed that train of thought. Shavad 1521 appears to mirror the pattern of the seven days of unleavened bread. In month one, Shavuot 15 to 23 appeared to mirror the eight days of tabernacles in month seven, plus, of course, Simchator, the ninth day. Because month one is a mirror of month seven on the cyclical calendar, if you put all the all the biblical months on a wheel as opposed to linearly, we are we are used to looking at things linearly, but I often notice that in the heavens, but also on the calendar and the heavenly clock, the Lord often uses a circle. So month seven is equated with month one. It is my understanding the Lord may hasten his word to be performed this month. Jeremiah 1, 12. And that pertains to the overcomers in Christ. And of course, part of the uh, wise virgins, the overcomers, is the group of end times harvesters. We find that group in Revelation 14. These are the immortal witnesses. We have another group of 144,000 in Revelation 7, and those are the more commonly known mortal witnesses. So, the pattern from 15 to 21, it may very well be that the Lord is going to hasten his word to be performed. Because we have shared last time that I believe this onset of judgment will start between now, the moment of reading, and of course the Passover, where the events were um, historically marked. But he may well, very well speed it up. That's why I'm sharing it with you. And again, this is not um, a, an effort to date set. What I'm trying to do is watch what the Lord is doing and giving you um, the insight and the understanding that I believe that the Lord is giving me. 
to keep you encouraged and informed, but also to leave behind this information for others who are going to come after us. So they have a track record of the Lord's faithfulness that he is indeed sharing everything he does before he does with many of his servants uh, as watchmen, pastors, teachers, but also those in the prophetic office. I believe I'm called as a watchman and a scribe, so that is my role. So if we then take a look at tomorrow, we're going to see in the overview of celestial signs that the moon is going to uh, mark a glorification when it passes the star Zaniah, the star in the elbow of the Virgin in a 144 degree angle. And it's going to align with the asteroid Ceres, the uh, representation of Jesus as the grain offering or the grain brought forth. And then it's going to align with Parima, the goddess of prophecy, which points to a fulfillment of prophecy. The E3 comet that we have looked at for quite some time is going to make a very important transition. It's going to transition from the charioteer, the shepherd, the driver of the chariots, Origa, who holds the mother goat and the two kid goats close to his heart, into the constellation Taurus, the rushing and pushing bull with the two horns, indicative of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of Joseph. The Lord is coming in a double capacity to both judge, but also rescue. And we have uh, covered the difference between the wise believers, the faithful, the lukewarm believers, and the people who have uh, yet to learn of the Lord as Lord and Savior, or who have hardened their heart against him. So the coming of the Lord will be experienced different by people, based on the measure of their faith, their love, and obedience to the Lord. So after the astronomical transition from the shepherd, from the charioteer into Taurus the bull, we're seeing this picture of the arising of the overcomers in Christ. We're going to see that confirmed in the Torah readings which were instituted by the scribe uh, Ezra in his days. The portion is entitled Yetro, and it has ties to Judges 5 and Revelation 14. But we also have the uh, marker of the dedication of the first fruits, the um, slaughter which was designated unto the Lord in the presence of the Midianites, Moses' father-in-law. So we can read in the books of Exodus, but also in the apocryphal book of Jasher, we can read a lot of details about this event, but it is the dedication of the firstborn. So we have that second marker. We recall we have a first fruits marker and the Lord inspecting his trees, his vineyard. We have the second marker of the firstborn and the dedication of all those who opened the womb, both man and beast. And then we have the third marker on Shabbat 22, the formal planting of the state of Israel in the 
years subsequent to the Declaration of Independence in 1948, the first Knesset meeting, the formal planting of the Luke 13 fig tree, and this pertains both to individual assessment of spiritual fruition, but in this particular case, it pertains to national assessment of uh, the Lord inspecting to find spiritual fruit, first of repentance and then the other fruits of the Holy Spirit. And if, they, if he finds the nation barren, the subsequent response will be judgment. So a cutting down either of branches in the case of lukewarmness or the cutting down of the entire tree in case of barrenness. So let's take a look at the coming weekend. The markers of the celestial signs indeed point to judgment. So we see a um, marker of the sun passing the star Deneb El Gedi in the constellation Capricorn, denoting the coming slaughter. The moon will enter the constellation Libra, which is now depicted as a set of scales, but it used to be the four cornered altar of redemption so we see the moon transitioning from virgo into libra and then we have the historic marker of the patriarch krill the russian patriarch krill with pope francis and an uh, an ecumenical declaration made in 2016 then we have the beginning of the Roman festival, quote-unquote, of Lupercalia, still celebrated uh, by the elite. It is a satanic uh, festival uh, at this time that lasts from the 13th of February until the 15th. And, of course, in the middle is what we commonly uh, associate with Valentine's Day, but that ha is rooted in that ancient festival of Lupercalia. And you can read a past article I wrote on this subject of the correlation between Valentine's Day, Lupercalia, and the Super Bowl, and the prophetic patterns relating to these three elements. I believe they're going to come into play this year as well. So a takeaway from this calendar update is the two bookends of 70 years of grace and mercy bestowed upon his believers, including the lukewarm, but also the unsaved. We see the transition onto judgment in the heavens on from Friday to Saturday. And then we know from scripture that as soon as the Lord starts to inspect and judge that his judgment will start in the house of the Lord. Welcome to the video about the celestial signs, the second and last video of this series. February 10 to 14, we're going to take a look at different areas in the heavens with the key players, the key celestial actors, uh, sharing a story for us to discern the prophetic time. So here we see Mercury, which is a forerunner planet to the sun, currently a morning star because it is in its trajectory preceding the sunrise. So here we have Mercury and sun. The sun is going to arise in its wake, but Mercury is going to arise at 7.13 Stockholm time. Why Stockholm, you may think? It's because there is a prophecy by a young Swedish boy from a couple of years ago. It's linked in the research notes 
uh, I showed you earlier, if you're not familiar with that, if you, ha if you have been with me for quite a while, you've seen this pass by a number of times because he was speaking about a Friday gathering and a set of final warnings and then the collective bridal departure. So at the timestamp that he gave at seven in the morning, Stockholm time, Mercury is actually rising in Sagittarius, the archer, and that is above Corona Australis. That is the crown of righteousness, the Stephanus crown laid up for us at the end of the believer's race. But the positioning, when we look up, is very interesting. It's right underneath Aquila the Eagle. That's where the E3 comet we're all watching is originating from and it's going to return to this constellation. And if we look up even further, we see the Northern Cross, which is the type of the cross of the Lord, but also of the Giza Plateau. So these three stars are a mirror of the Giza Plateau in Egypt. So remember that the Lord spoke in the Old Testament of gathering the people of Israel and taking them on the wings of the eagle. So we have a forerunner in the archer above the victory crown at the end of the believer's race underneath the eagle and the northern cross so that is taking place tomorrow here we see that alignment of mercury underneath the eagle and the stars of the northern cross now known as the constellation cygnus but it used to be the cross of the lord and then of course the e3 comet and its trajectory from the um charioteer origa also known as a, as a shepherd with the mother goat and the two kid goats transitioning into Taurus the bull the lord coming down to both rescue and judge i'm going to show you an overlay of the forehead of the bull we have two sets of stars in Taurus the bull one in the forehead, that is the congregated believers, the Hyades cluster, and one at the back end of the bull, that is the Pleiades cluster, the seven churches. The Hyades cluster is where the comet is going to pass by. They are situated in the forehead of the bull, and each of those stars represents one of the seven churches. And if you've been with me for a longer time, you have seen the imagery. This is a beautiful graph from Watchman Louis Vega. He's made an overlay of the Hyades cluster in the forehead of the bull. This is a mirror image of what we see in the heavens. And he has marked out these individual stars because they are, uh, as we know it, in the uh, western part of Turkey, which has been, of course, struck with an earthquake. In the next slide, we can see these individual churches marked out by these individual stars. We're going to look at a close-up so it's easier to see. So we have the brightest star in the eye of the bull, Aldebaran, which is a representation of the Church of Ephesus who has lost, who have lost their first love. And then right across, and this is what is interesting for us because the Comet is going to pass the star Tau Tauri, which represents Laodicea, the lukewarm church. And then the star Aiyin, the representation of the church of Philadelphia. 
So remember that the eye of the bull is a representation of Ephesus, the uh, star which is now known as Ayin or Ayn is the representation of Philadelphia. And then we have Tau Tauri, which is a representation of Laodicea. And I believe that these passings of the comet is not just inspection, but also the onset of judgment. So here we have the outline of Taurus the bull as we see it in the heavens. So this is the forehead of the bull. This is uh, the horn which is connected to Auriga the charioteer. That's where the E3 comet is coming from. It's now moving southward. This is the left horn of the bull. So before the comet enters into the area of the congregated believers, the Hyades cluster, it's going to pass Mars. Mars is aligned horizontally with the Pleiades, and Mars is associated with war and the archangel Michael standing up. So after passing Mars, the comet is going to cross the uh, for our, from our perspective, the right horn of the bull, from the bull's perspective, the left horn, that is going to take place on the 11th of February. Then the comet is going to progress uh, further southward. And at the moment of its meridian, which is marked by the green line, that is the highest point in its uh, daily trajectory, it is aligned with Mars, but also with the Pleiades. So this is the entire depiction of Taurus, the Pleiades, the seven churches in the book of Revelation 1 to 3. They are found in the heavens over here. The Hyades cluster, those are the congregated believers. That is the individual uh, alignment of the seven churches we just showed. So Comedy 3 is going to align with Mars and the Pleiades on the 11th of February. Then it's going to progress further southward and align with the star Ayin. Ayin is the representation of the Church of Philadelphia in the other eye of the bull. And without saying that this is a thus saith the Lord, it is my understanding that these passings that the comet is doing is a signaling toward the particular churches that it passes. So we have had Tau Tauri, the representation of the church of Laodicea. Then we have the passing of Ayin, which is the representation of the church of Philadelphia. And then we have the passing of Aldebaran, which is the representation of the church of Ephesus. So after Laodicea, Tautauri, Ayin, we now have the passing of Aldebaran, the bull's eye, the bright red star in the, uh, the right eye of the bull. It's also known as the marksman's mark. That takes place on the 14th of February. Then let's take a look at the trajectory and the passing of the moon here on the 11th we see the moon being birthed from the upper body portion of Virgo into the lower body at the star spica, the first fruits of grain, first fruits of corn, aligning with the star of Taurus in Buddhas, the marking of the suns of light. 
And if we take away the horizon, because this is the this is what is happening underneath the horizon, marked by this haze over here, we see that moment of the birthing. That is 11th on the 11th of February at the star spike of the first fruits. And in alignment between Spica and the moon, we see the star of Taurus, the suns of light. And then one day later, on the 12th, we see that the moon transitions from Virgo into the borders of the asterism of Libra, the altar of redemption, now depicted as a scales, but a set of scales. But biblically, it used to be the four-cornered altar of redemption. And note the word redemption. We have seen the redemption of the first fruits on Tubi Shabbat. In this weekend, we have a marker in scripture of the redemption of the first fruits in the days of Moses. And now we have the moon transitioning from Virgo into the altar of redemption, where the Lord paid the redemption price in full. And remember where in our common uh, Western culture, uh, the bridegroom and the bridegroom often meet. That is also at the altar. So the moon is going to be at last quarter, the final division of 50-50%, which is an association to the five virgins who had light and the five virgins who did not. So the five moon or the half lit and half darkened moon, Monday, February 13th at about dinner time, 6, uh, 6.01. This is going to be the position of the moon on the 13th. It's going to be on the altar of redemption, Libra. And the star that denotes that the price which has been paid uh, was sufficient has been passed. And if we look up from the moon's perspective, we see the serpent aspiring to seize that crown, Corona Borealis which is in direct alignment with the moon. This is our victory crown that the enemy seeks to steal from us by any and all means can even come through undermining or challenges from within our inner circles. The enemy loves to use people against us, but we are instructed to let no one take our victory crown. So the moon, the divided moon, is aligned with Corona Borealis on the 13th. Then we're going to take a look at the sun. The sun has transitioned from the goat portion of Capricorn, the middle Theta Capricorni, into now the fish portion. And it's about to leave the constellation, but not before passing these two pivotal stars. And remember, if we zoom out, we can actually see the two corners of a prayer shawl folded in two. And these I associate these with the tzitzit, the tzitzit, just like, like the woman who had the issue of blood, touched this, the tzitzit and found healing. The star Nashira is uh, associated with a declaration of good tidings. That's what this star means. And one day later, the sun is going to pass the star Deneb el Geri, which means judgment, the coming slaughter. And at that point, remember that we have seen the sun being equally yoked with the beloved Venus. Venus is no longer in the water flow by this time. So we see the huge transition from 11 to 13. Let us go back once more to the calendar. 
and recap with what we have shared today. So, to be Shabbat, the blossoming of the almond tree, the bride has made herself ready. The flowers are appearing on the earth, just like the Song of Songs uh, speaks of. And the beloved saying to the bride, Arise, my fair one, and come away. And as the Lord is inspecting our spiritual fruit, we see the transition in the heavens from the charioteer Ariga into Taurus the bull, the Lord coming down to both rescue and judge, and his flashlight, his comet in the heavens, the heavenly messenger is passing the individual churches and is marking them out. And we see that the moon is birthed and on its way to the altar of redemption. We have the fifth day after the 15th that is denoted for the dedication of the firstborn with, uh, with Moses and Yetro in Midian. If we enter into the Torah readings, we are actually moving ahead quickly because Exodus 18 and onward deal with the time of Israel after the Exodus. So the Torah readings for last week pertaining to the uh, Exodus itself, the Song of Moses, the Song of Miriam pertain to the week until Friday. And we see that on the Sabbath, the Torah readings point to the time after the Exodus, when Moses is instructed to delegate authority to 70 judges aligning with Judges 5 and Revelation 14. So we see huge transitions on the near horizon confirmed in the scriptures in the heavens and even in the Torah readings for the coming week. So I pray the Lord's blessings and his peace upon you and your loved ones. Much love.